Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Fulbell, and today is June 30th, 2022, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. It is Thursday, not Friday, and we're on a podcast today because we're going to talk about the June 30th Acreage and Stocks Report. Today, I'm joined by three guests. I have Kevin Combs, Vice President of McKinney Fulbell. Hello, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Mike. I'm also joined by Eric Thornton, Commodity Specialist for McKinney Flavelle. Hello, Eric. Hello, Mike. Hello, everybody. And finally, the Head of our Information Sales and Service Department, Vice President of McKinney Flavelle, Nicole Thomas. Hello, Nicole. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Good. You know, it's not a WASD day, but it is a report day. It and is. it's a Thursday, and people are probably getting ready to get out of town and enjoy their 4th of July weekend. Uh, but before you do that, let's listen to our analysis on this acreage and stocks report that came out. I'm going to go right into it. I think mm-hmm. we just get right into it. Just and get right look, into it. Yes. Nicole, let's start with you and talk a little bit about uh, corn and soybeans. I know uh, March, at the end of March, uh, the reports <laughs> that came out kind of flip-flop of what the expectations we're on both corn and soybeans, so kind of little head scratchers there. But uh, what did they do today? Uh, number one, we 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 still aren't certain. <laughs> yes, that, one thing's for certain: uncertainty. Uncertainty. I mean, we seriously don't. There was a special note <laughs> in the report. Oh boy, at the end, right? And, well, at the beginning, before they even gave us the numbers, basically, they were prepping us for it. Yes. Uh, it's like, oh, they're going to be really unhappy when they see this. So uh, apparently USDA is going to go back and collect more information in July mm-hmm. for pretty much all the crops because of how delayed things were. Oh they added a little section there for uh, plantings that remained uh, or, or were not uh, yet planted at the time of the report. So still kind of. A projection there, so you know we're still kind of sc- scratching our head. But to kind of to get into the nitty gritty with corn, we were hoping we would pick up some acreage that maybe with some of the stuff going on in Ukraine and right. and, and that coming after the that initial report that we get a, a, a nice jump. Uh, we got a very modest increase, four hundred thousand acres to corn acreage. So we're you know a little under. 90 million acres. Couldn't they just give us 90? Couldn't they just do 90? (laughs) They could, but you know what? I prefer accuracy. So (laughs) I'm I'm okay with that. You can, uh, no rounding, no rounding. 89.9 million acres for corn, which is still down 4% from last year. And, you know, still on the lower end of things historically. I mean, anything under 90 million acres in the last few years is on, definitely on the low end. So the bottom line is, you know, the farmers at the uh, with this like sort of medium term survey said they still had a little over two million acres left to plant by the time of, of reporting or, or surveying for this report. So all we know at the moment is 89.9 million acres so not that net jump we were hoping for obviously 
And then as far as the corn stocks report uh, on, on grain stocks, corn stocks were a little uh, better than arguably than expected. I would say that the big thing of note was just that we saw less demand pull for that March through May timeframe than we did last year. And that could be a result of everything from, you know, cost increases and feed for livestock producers, the additional availability of DDGs offsetting some of that corn usage. We've had, you know, pretty bad bout of avian flu and uh, all those combined, you know, maybe even a little lower than expected export demand likely led to that that drop. But the interesting thing there too, is when you look at farmer storage uh, or how much corn is, is still on the farm versus in the hands of, of processors, that was up 22% year over year. Now, some of that that's related to production, right? But when you look at it, just from the standpoint of the percentage of total, 49% of that, that is remaining or stocks at, as of uh, that date, was in the hands of, of farmers compared to 42% last year. So I think that helps to sort of explain, you know, why basis has been running stronger, uh, even, even from a post-it standpoint, has been running stronger uh, than last year, which just, you know, uh, farmers kind of holding out and, and waiting for the, the best possible pricing before letting go of that corn. And I think, you know, kind of the major takeaway from the report is that stocks are still going to be tight into 2223 somewhere between 1.3 the 1.5 maybe 1.6 billion uh depending on how how consumption plays out so we're you know I'm looking at the market today and it's pushing lower yep. towards uh and and you know if Sean were on here he'd say there are other factors at play there which I I totally agree with but I think the moral of the story is it makes it it's going to be challenging to get corn futures, you know, towards like the mid fives. I think we're, you know, we'll probably, if, if everything fares well through this crop and, and with some of this re- uh, concern about recession and that pressure from, from the, uh, you know, sort of speculative side of things, we'll probably push below six bucks at some point. But by no means do I see us going back to, you know, kind of before or COVID when we were consistently sitting in the high threes, low fours. Yeah. So we, we've got another tight year ahead. Then for beans, beans was just depressing. I won't repeat what I said to Eric when <laughs> we were trying to figure well, everybody's out. Everybody's curious. <laughs> I, everyone's curious. Let's just say I know one day I will have a call from a teacher about my son's language yeah. and it will be all my <laughs> yeah. fault. So I'm, yeah. I'm preparing for that, yeah. but, um, <laughs> we'll get you a jar. You can put yes. Give me. Yeah. yeah. And I can pay for his college with that. There you go. So soybean acres down a lot from that report, yeah. uh, 88.3 million. <laughs> we were anticipating 91 million. Now, if you've been listening to our podcast over the last few months, we've had a lot of discussion about, Hey, these numbers could adjust a bit. The two crops were probably going to be neck and neck, but we'd probably see the the, the bean come down, uh, bean acreage come down a bit, corn acreage come up a bit, for them to you know both sit kind of close to ninety million. And what we got was both of them well below ninety million, or at least slightly below ninety million in the case of corn. But the scary thing is when you take this number 
And even if you take like a great yield of 51 and a half or 52 bushels per acre for soybeans, you get ending stocks below 200 million bushels for beans mm. in 22, 23, which basically means these prices we're seeing upwards of $14 a bushel and potentially higher yet is what we can anticipate, at least at this stage, what we can anticipate going into 2023 because wow. I don't see much in the way of pressure for, for crush and I don't see much in the way of pressure for exports knowing that, you know, uh, or at least the, the speculations that China still has a lot of buying to do. They've done a little bit lately. And, you know, although South America still, you know, from a historical basis had a pretty good crop, it was well below what they were anticipating. So we'll, we'll probably continue to see that, that demand and, and keep, you know, and that's if we don't lose more in the way of ending stocks for this year between now and the start. Uh, and keeping in mind that because of all these late plantings, that's going to delay harvest as well. It could get very tricky transitioning out of 21-22 into the upcoming marketing year. So that acreage number was a bummer. <laughs> the market responded in kind, then turned around and went back down. I don't, I don't know. But I think, you know, with that and, uh, and we're seeing, you know, even in the, the stocks report for beans that, uh, demand's been pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, we've got, again, good demand for, for crush, both in, in terms of meal for the domestic market and soybean meal for the export market, and good a good demand for soybean oil, both in edible and uh, industrial products, biofuel. So that one is, that's, that's a scary, that's a scary proposition. And for, you know, even from a corn perspective, you if you got excited that oh acres went up a little bit, that should that should be good for corn prices longer term. What what this says to me is if beans are indeed that tight, we're we're going to be looking at high corn prices going out into for that at least initially for the twenty three twenty four futures too, because that then that whole discussion about rebuilding stocks again both crops again could get a uh, very interesting coming into uh 2023 so wow it was wonderful wonderful report <sighs> well um <laughs> i think i have the need i have the need to learn about wheat eric what did they do today i mean we need wheat we need some but wheat the, yeah we need some but... wheat the market the market the wheat market uh, had some pretty big declines today too yeah so, and actually it's probably the declines i'm seeing there Maybe not even related to the report. Kind of like what Nicole mentioned, yeah. we uh, there you go. We're expecting a fireworks show, but we were left without the finale. Since what the heck, <laughs> we, we're waiting for the finale here, and they're saying that they can uh, maintain the right to adjust these numbers, and we'll publish them on the August WASD. But actually, it seems like some pressure's coming. I'm reading just hot off the press that uh, a cargo ship has left one of the Ukrainian ports there, and that seems to be oh wow aiding in some of the uh, price pressure post the report. So appears that maybe some grain shipments could be resuming, but hot off the press is just what I'm seeing. Because obviously, yeah, wheat prices are down considerably right now, 30 to 50 cents a bushel after seeing basically a 30% reduction since the highs of mid-May. But obviously, we'll get into the report. You know, total wheat acreage fell 300,000 acres, virtually in line with expectations we're now looking for a total wheat area pl uh, planted at 
million acres. There was belief that spring wheat acres would take a hit here, uh, but they were virtually unchanged, falling just a modest 100,000 acres to now 11.1 million. Again, put a little asterisk there. We'll see if that acreage uh, was actually able to get planted uh, when a lot of the spring wheat is planted in North Dakota and Montana, some of the areas that were uh, seeing the worst of the cool, wet spring and unfavorable planting conditions. But um, we'll see what that, that number comes out to be. Again, still some speculation. It could come and trim further. But uh, the, the largest um, decrease was actually at the hands of hard red winter wheat, which fell uh, now down to 34 million total acres, um, which is a 500,000 acre decline. And we did see some increases towards white wheat uh, as well as uh, Durham wheat now is actually up just below 2 million acres, 21% uh, higher year over year. So people definitely looking to uh, see that those pasta levels are increasing on the store shelves this year and we need as much Durham wheat uh, as we can get. So makes sense to see that. Uh, but interestingly, we did see USDA uh, at least project that harvested acres for wheat will be at 37.6 million acres. That's against 37.2 million harvested a year ago. Um, you know, I think that that number is also suspect and, and could be revised lower since we're, you know, about a third of the way through the hard red winter wheat harvest in the plains. And, you know, hearing more about abandonment and maybe some acres going unharvested uh, just with the very, very dry drought and unfavorable crop that they've had there. So, you know, we'll see if that number is able to be reached and, you know, we still have the spring wheat crop and harvest to get through there. But uh, aside from that, you know, nothing earth shattering from an acreage standpoint, really neutral, uh, as well as the stocks report, you know, not anything earth shattering there. When we look at uh, wheat stocks, obviously much lower than they were a year ago, as of June 1st at 655 million bushels, that's just, or excuse me, 660 million bushels, just uh, 5 million bushels more than what was projected on the June WASD when we first kicked off the uh, first month of the 22-23 crop year. Um, On-farm stocks, though, were, were pretty pretty low, just 93 million bushels, and that's uh, down a sizable 34% year over year. So again, putting in perspective the tight balance sheet uh, we came out of and the tight stocks we will have to kick off this current balance sheet for 22-23. But, you know, again, as after a highly anticipated report, appears the market's already moved you know, beyond that, within a couple hours of trading here, as now maybe, um, you know, if this Ukraine situation starts to develop further and more grain starts to flow out, that, that could continue to see some sizable sell downs for wheat uh, over the next coming days. Great. Well, let's move over to uh, sugar okay. and uh, Kevin Combs. How sweet it is. And How sweet it is. Bad, bad puns. Uh, bad and, puns. And what we really learned was. Sugar is uh, very favorable in the Red River Valley. They love their sugar up there. Overall, the USDA is showing 35,000 additional acres over the March report. And that, you know, with the late plantings they got in Red River Valley, we were hearing uh, rumors that a lot of the co-ops had increased their tolerances to attract more acreage, and they certainly got it. Minnesota was up 31,000 acres versus the 30, March 31st planning intentions report, and North Dakota was up 17,000 acres, so 48,000 acres just in the Red River Valley. 
Now, obviously, uh, versus the 35,000, there was some offsetting uh, numbers there where it appears in the plains and out west uh, and Michigan as well, you know, growers were not as favorable and, you know, finding some opportunity for competing crops. So uh, we we're expecting Michigan was already down March 31st, like 10,000 acres. Uh, that number came down a little bit further, another 5,000 acres. So they're now down about 15,000 versus last year. Uh, Montana saw a huge decline, uh, down 20.9% from their March planting intentions or an additional 9,000 acres. And then, you know, rounding things out in the rest of the country, you're pretty much just, you know, some small declines, uh, actually offsetting in Nebraska and Colorado, Oregon and Washington were down about 2,400 acres versus last year, but, you know, just slightly versus March. And then uh, Idaho was the only other favorable uh, region. They picked up about 3,000 acres from March. And that number is actually up 1,000 acres from last year as well. So I guess with the high sugar prices out in the marketplace, growers decided to definitely uh, throw some more uh, acres to beat. And then on the cane side, we saw a little bit of the opposite. Uh, Florida was down 3,500 acres. So they're estimated right at 400,000 acres now. Uh, not a big surprise there. I thought they might be down a little bit. Uh, Louisiana, however, did surprise us as they're now expected to be down 3,300 acres. And we were probably looking for something on the positive side of, you know, around 3,000 acres. So uh, down there. And then Texas, uh, again, competing crops being the big issue there. Uh, they're seeing their crop uh, down uh, 11.26% or 4,100 acres down to 32,300 acres. So, uh, not good for the Texas cooperative there. Looking at the changes in production, what this all means, uh, area harvested on beet coming up, you know, that represents about 150,000 short tons raw value of production. USDA was at 4.8 million tons in the June report. I think that was very pessimistic as it was with this acreage being up uh, where it is. You know, I think 5.1 million short tons is very possible for a beet crop. So, you know, very above. And that's on a fiscally adjusted basis too, counting the early crop harvest next year being normal. And on the cane side, USDA's forecast was at 4 million short tons raw value, you know, the change in acres would represent about 50,000. I think a lot of that was taken into account already. I think, you know, USDA's forecast at that just over 4 million is still very, very possible. So, you yeah, know, looking uh, like we may end up with around 9, 9.1 million uh, short ton crop for next year. And certainly a big boost to that small stocks to use ratio the uh, USDA put up in uh June that uh, scared a lot of people. So optimistic, we'll see a, a much better picture. And of course, USDA will assign Mexico a higher number and they may not get all the other quotas announced. They may have to leave those out, may not come up to 13.5% in July, but uh, wouldn't surprise me if they get the quotas and stuff announced and put a higher tier two number, et cetera, and come very close, if not uh, meeting that 13.5 they're supposed to target. 
Excellent. Thank you, Kevin. Great recap. Well, uh, we're going to let folks go. It sounds like uh, the report, there's still more to be determined, which I think we'll find out uh, in the next uh, month or so uh, and uh, get a little bit more direction. So thank you, Eric. Thank you, Nicole. And thank you, Kevin, for your great analysis. And speaking can of I, analysis. Can, can, I, can I make one snide comment? Of course you can. Just one. Go for it. Why do we need more cotton acreage when everybody's working from home in their pajamas? <laughs> I'm a little soybean biased. I'm sorry. I, it's okay. I got. I just had to get that out. And we're all wearing artificial clothing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> listeners. Uh, there's probably a comment tab somewhere where you're listening to your pod, this podcast. So go ahead and put in your comments what you think. <laughs> I appreciate that, Nicole. That's great. Um, uh, I got to plug our IQ platform, our ingredient intelligence platform. So those that are subscribers know what I'm talking about. And you can log on there and get a lot more analysis 24 hours a day. Uh, a lot of great information, more in-depth analysis about what we just talked about and drivers of the market outside of the report. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, please go ahead and reach out to us. We'll put you on a test drive. It's a very fast car test drive kind of thing. So uh, you're going to love it. So we're going to wrap it up. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Live every minute moment with your friends and family. Enjoy the 4th of July weekend for those that aren't working tomorrow. And until next time, take care, everybody. See ya. So long. Luego. Bye now. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favel.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.